everybody, and welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. We're a podcast about board games in which we have opinions and conclusions formed on the basis of incomplete information. This episode of Cardboard Conjecture is proudly brought to you by the great people at Gamesurplus.com. Hey there, this is episode 5 of Cardboard Conjecture. I'm your host, Norm. And I'm Ryan. And on today's episode, we're going to talk about Akrotiri and... Tobago. Bridge City Board Gamers are proud to identify the good, the bored, and the ugly as our cardboard cohorts. In this growing community, it's important to create relationships that help you learn, grow, and support one another. You can find their podcast on iTunes and their channel on YouTube where they produce and create new content every week. Welcome back. Let's get started. Uh, Ryan, I will give you honors uh, because I believe last episode you uh, you allowed me uh, first honors. Yes, a- age before beauty, I age guess. Before, yeah. <laughs> um, but before we start, I want to um, just touch base because every time I hear people talk about all these, you know, review shows or critique shows that everybody always gives a positive review. And uh, from from our perspective, the majority of the games that we're reviewing are games from our own collection, which we've researched um, before I spend my money, and I think you're quite the same way. Uh, yeah, I'm very same way. I, there's there's very few games in my collection that like I would say like I would never play. All the games I would drop at, stop on a dime to play at any time. So it's so. basically just give the word, and you're playing anything from your collection. Yeah, yeah. And if yeah. somebody says, "Hey, I want to play that," I'm gonna be like, "Sure." So from from for a perspective of someone who's listening to us thinking, oh, everything's always great game, great games. Well, I think so. Yeah, rather than being like a critique show, it's more of we've sure. we've already done the filtering process. We we've listened to we've done our research. We've listened to our podcast. We've listened to and wa- and read our articles, and we've already made the decision. Now we're just kind of sharing um, how excited we are about these these particular titles yeah so that instead of a review show it's more of a showcase hey i like that yeah Yeah. it's it's, it's a showcase of what we enjoy and hopefully that you might find enjoyable as well and then hopefully you're starting to see that uh i'm and this is weird because today you're actually doing an old game rather than your cult of the new choose oh my goodness i feel out of my element that i'm kind of doing a game that's that's more that's like more than five years old (laughs) okay well let's (laughs) just take that as our little segue and uh ryan introduce your give us the nuts and bolts of your game sure so uh, the game that i'm going to talk about today is um tobago or tobago you say tomato i say tomato um published in (laughs) (laughs) i know uh published in 2009 uh designer was bruce allen with artist victor Bowden, and the version that i have is the zock verleg um german german version which also included the english rules um so i'll give you a bit of an overview right here from the right from the game rules land ahoy After years of searching, you have finally found her. Tobago, the island of forgotten treasures. Your hands hold several scraps of parchment, almost too weathered to read, and you would bet your last shovel that these are pieces of a treasure map. But how do they fit? And who has the missing pieces? Only by gathering more clues will you track down the treasures. 
Behind the wheel of your ATV, you will cross dense jungles, scale rocky heights, and forge raging torrents. But the moment you arrive at the treasure site, fierce and greedy competitors may lay claim to part of the findings, not to mention the curse of the island that rests on some of the treasures. An inconspicuous amulet is the only protection against the curse's gold devouring power. So, Tobago. Um, BGG lists that this game has a, a, f- a few different mechanisms that I thought were pretty interesting. Um, it lists that there's, there's, a, there's hand management, which I can see. Yeah, I, I can see, see there's that. a little bit of hand management. You have a little hand of cards. There's definitely a modular board. There's three sections of the play board that are connected, and you can, they're all double-sided, so you can mix and match however you want to make a different map every time. Um, grid movement. You're going to be moving along this map to try to find those treasures. <laughs> and then the last one I really love. Press your luck. What would <laughs> is, be the? Is this a, maybe maybe we'll flush that out in in in, in this little in this little talk through? But I the, I've got some to think luck. about. Yeah, I I think I see where they're going with it, but maybe maybe you'll help me out. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, how do we win this game? Well, they win this game. You need to get the most gold. And how do you get the gold? Well, you got to find you got to find the treasures. And so everybody at the table's got to kind of work together to um, uncover where these treasures could possibly be. The the board is blank off the start, and then there's four different types of treasures. There's, um, what is it, the white, brown, gray, and black treasures. Yeah. And uh, no one knows anything other than you have this little hand of cards that is going to help you um, narrow down the, the, the certain treasures. This is the part of that puzzle that I love. Yeah, this this is really unique, and we'll comment on this later. There's no other game that really does this part, which is, on my turn, I'm going to play one of my map cards, and I'm going to say, hey, the the white treasure is not on the largest mountain. And then, so we're like, okay, so it's not on these, what, seven hexes out of the bazillion that are still out, out on the board. And then I get to move my little ATV three movement points and... Uh, movement is kind of it, it's pretty straightforward. Crossing terrain is one movement point. Moving within a terrain is one movement point, and you just get three movement points. And the fact that the uh, the board is modular with three different sections that can be um, side A, side B. There's no kind of map memorization either because no, it's it's, it's going to be a little bit different every time. Like yeah. the last, like the last game we just played here had like a really large mountain range right down the, the middle, in, yeah, in the middle of the board. So you can go from one side of the board to the other side of the board really, really fast if you got on that mountain range. Yeah, and so then on another player's turn, maybe they want to contribute to finding the white treasure. Now they'll say they'll play a card and say, "Hey, the treasure is actually within one space of a tiki hut." And there's like those little plastic, and it or, starts to narrow the field down. And you start narrowing down the field. So then afterwards, and oh yeah, you always have to make sure that you put your little marker on the clue card, <laughs> so to make sure that you've contributed to finding that treasure. And then you're going to do this over and over and over again until there is exactly one spot. There's these little cubes that you can use to represent. Once you got it narrowed down yeah. small enough, that you now you can start whittling away. And as soon as you narrow it down to one exact spot, there's only one cube there. That is where the treasure is, and now it's a now it's a race. That's that ATV race. Now it's a race to see who can go claim the treasure. I can't wait till we start talking strategy because my brain's just bouncing around. Okay. <laughs> no, no, keep going, keep going. <laughs> so then, let's just say Norm discovers the treasure, so he gets to put a little token at the end of the treasure map line, and now we get to count up 
how many times did you contribute to finding the treasure? So if Norm had two cards in the line, I had two cards in the line, and Norm found the treasure. Well, Norm gets to look at, he doesn't get to keep yet. Nope. He, he gets to look at three treasure cards. I get to look at two treasure cards. Then we take those five treasure cards and we put them in a little stack. We shuffle them up. And then in order from the time of discovery to the first clue, we're going to reveal those cards and we're going to go down kind of, kind of like a, almost like an auction. It's, or, a, it's a right of first refusal. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so then Norm gets to say, hey, Norm, do you want two gold? And you'll go, pass, or he'll keep it. And then it works down the line until all the treasure cards are distributed. Yeah. Unless if there's a curse. Oh, hate that curse card. And if a curse card comes up, then the none of the rest of the treasure gets distributed. And you lose your highest valued treasure unless if you've collected an amulet. And we haven't talked about amulets yet, but they'll, they'll, they'll come up. So you do this process. We actually played the rule wrong the other day, but uh, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it. But we all to, played the rule we wrong. We all so played the rule even, wrong. Yeah. We're supposed to go until the whole deck of cards runs out. Oh, okay. I've always played it where it, once the second curse gets revealed, that's the end of the game. So the game could be last longer or could last longer. The actual rules actually say play until the treasure deck runs out. Okay. So um, that actually, but that actually happened in the last game. The curse was actually like the second last card in the deck. Oh, yeah, it so, was awesome. So, so that's how you win. You get, so the winner is whoever has the most gold pieces at the end. So let's take a look at the opinions of this game. A box art. The box art of this game is your standard ticket to ride size game box. 12 by 12. Fit, fits nicely on your shelf. Has a nice little presence. Kind of got all these like browns and yellows and greens kind of going on. The nice big tiki idol. Yeah. Um, right, right, on the, right in the front of the box, which is it, it's, it's a really good box. Well, and, and, and I mean, the, the title itself represents a geographic region itself so right. i think so, the i think the box art does a really good job at representing that whole island yeah it, it's definitely something that would draw somebody in yeah to say hey what is this game about yeah. let's take a look at it you're not confused as to what the theme's about that's for sure no the components of the game are really nice nice uh nice wooden like huts and uh and uh, palm trees and nice little like a uh, stone those little uh, tiki those idols are awesome tiki idols um, the, the, the cards are a really nice thickness, the nice linen finish, the board is really nice. Um, can't say enough about the, the components are spot on. Yeah. Really good. And the, uh, the ATV meeples are kind of fun to putt putt around the board. Oh yeah. The ATV meeples, which I don't, I haven't seen another game that has a, they even have painted headlights. I thought that was so <laughs> awesome <laughs> that you didn't have to put your own sticker on. No, no, this is great. <laughs> uh, the rule book is a really good rule book. It's actually a very short and simple rule book. Um, not too many rules to the game, and they do a really good job of explaining everything. The only thing that I saw that I, I didn't actually notice before until I read a forum, that in the rulebook, there is no tiebreaker. There's no mention of a tiebreaker. Oh, that is so interesting. It hasn't come up in any of the games that I've played. But, uh, yeah. Uh, they're, they're, what did the thread say anything about people experiencing the need for a tiebreaker? Because um, there, there, there's been some situations where people have been tied with the most gold, and so then they've just house-ruled what the tiebreaker is. Because you could say whoever has the most cards, too. Sure. I'm, I'm going to go back to a, um, a Jeff Engelstein episode of, of Ludology where he, <laughs> he actually talked about tiebreakers. I remember this one. And uh, how I would do it, because you'd always say, what, what, what's the one of the hardest things to get yeah. in the game? 
Well, one of the hardest things to get is actually amulets. That's true. So maybe if Ooh. you have leftover amulets, that could be a tiebreaker. Or it could be um, number of cards that are still displayed, like treasure map Contributions card. to the uh, treasure hunt. Could be that. Could be a, a tiebreaker. Or um, maybe as uh, who had the fewest number of treasure cards. So more, most gold per card capita, I yeah. guess. Or you can say who had the highest valued True. gold. True. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Whoever had that six card. So it, it was an interesting little form. I'm just surprised that there was no tiebreaker, but you could just house rule it. And uh, the game system, unique mechanisms. Well, I think we were talking about this with some of our students. They thought it was kind of weird that we uh, we had the we didn't have the treasure map to find it. We were actually piecing the treasure map together. Well, that makes this thing unique. It's odd that a math teacher loves a game that creates formulas. <laughs> uh, it just baffles me. Baffles. <laughs> so yeah, that that whole process of that we have to we have to add a clue to the row in order to narrow down where the treasure is, and then all of a sudden it becomes a race towards wherever the treasure could be. Yeah, the last game, the one treasure was, it's not in the big forest, it's not on a beach, it's not, <laughs> it was all these negative statements, not, 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 and then finally I think I threw one down, which was, it's it within is. one space of an idol, and then and then all of a sudden we thought, hey, we could start putting cubes down, because the it's not abstract anymore. Yeah, so it was really cool. So I think that's where maybe the push, press your luck thing might come in, because you might see that the white treasure could be on this side of the board or it's on this side of the board. Oh, I guess so. And so in my hand, I think that I can narrow it down so that it goes to the one side of the board. So maybe I'm starting to move my ATV well, that and, direction. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, Norm comes along and says, well, I think the white treasure is over here. And now he eliminated the ones that were I was going to. Which you did to me yesterday. Yes. That was, I did it. It was brilliant and I hated it at the same time. Tell me how I did in the game. I lost still. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, so yeah, so the, so the mechanism of the press your luck, I can see in, the, in that regard. Yeah. But the creating of where the treasures are—that's the crux of the game. That's oh. really cool. Really, and, really and I, cool. I was I was loving how by the time those I, I would say those treasure formulas came back around to me, they changed the dynamic of the cards that I had in my hand. Like right. what I had, you know how you're always, you know, you just finish your turn, it's the next person's turn, and you're looking at everybody going, I already know what I'm going to do. Hurry up. And by well, the time was, it comes to me, it's like, oh, you guys changed everything on me. I know. And, and sometimes I was looking at my cards. I'm like, well, none of these cards help me do the white treasure. None of these help me with the brown treasure. I, I may as well just start, 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 start a new the hunt for another treasure because none of these help me whittle. Because when, when you play a card, you have to narrow down the selection. You can't just put down another vague yeah, clue. It has to be a, um, a legitimate variable. Yeah, yeah, it ha- and it has to follow that sequence. Yeah, um, what I was noticing too, um, and I don't know if this popped into your head, but um, I've only played it a sh- you know two two times. Yeah, two times, and I now know that I my strategy wise is I'm not starting that that treasure formula because once it's found, the first person who contributed always gets the last one. Mm-hmm. So it's for, for me, I'm sort of like waiting for someone to start that thing. So at least I'm not getting the last pick. And part of my thing was, too, is that I want to contribute lots to a particular treasure. Yeah. Then, let's say if the, if the treasure card, the treasure hunt was four cards long and I've contributed three of them, well, I'm going to get three out of the however many treasures yeah. are going to be there. So then I, I'm kind of like overloading one treasure 
so that I make sure that I, I maximize my, my, my gain. And the other, the other one too, um, strategy wise was that whole ATV getting in the right position, being exactly, you know, the right amount of, of, uh, spaces or, or, um, movement points away. Um, that, yeah, that was fun because it, you get, you get a contribution chip if you find it as well by giving it the last clue as well. So yeah, I was loving that getting your, your Jeep or your ATV into position. Yeah, A lot of times we've always found that we were able to discover the treasure with, by playing the last card and get there on the same turn. That's always, that's always key. That's cute. That means you're going to get the first two picks of, of, of the, of the treasure. So does it all connect? Yeah, I kind of feel like I'm a little explorer in this little in the, on this little island, and I'm I'm I thought it was kind of weird that I'm helping other treasure hunters discover where the treasure is, and that we're all gonna get something out of it. That part of me kind of was like, oh, okay, that that's kind of that's kind of kooky crazy. We're collectively contributing, but just enough so that you don't know what my plan is. But it's sort of like, yeah, yeah, I'll help you out just to the point where <laughs> I'm done helping you out. Yeah, or there's even times like. I wasn't even in on to contributing to any of the treasures, <laughs> which was which was bizarre. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm not gonna get anything out of that treasure, but I'm but I was working my way up the others. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, you 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 participate in all the hunts as much as you can, I guess. Yeah. So so does it all connect? Yeah, it kind of connects all together. My conclusion to this game, I'm so glad that I was able to find it. Um, <laughs> A 2009 release, I was probably introduced to this game probably about six or so years ago uh, by my friend Ian, and I really, really enjoyed it, and at that time, when I tried to go see if I could find myself a copy, I learned that it was, it was, out, of, it was out of print or out of stock, or you couldn't, you couldn't find it, and the, the, the prices for it online were going, were, were kind of ridiculous or I had to pay so many euros because it was only available in Germany at the time and now that our local game store has just finally brought in a few copies because apparently I think it got a reprinting and now it's kind of becoming available again in North America oh cool so, so I, I leapt at it. I saw it on the shelf and I said yep yoink gonna take it even though you have this in your collection and we always say at least we have the game in the community the, I oh I think this one might have to find a room on my and it, shelf and it's a nice uh, it feels that little niche of it as it's not a long game well and the whole time it's, it's about a, it's about an hour game yeah and the whole time as you said does it fit together the whole game i'm excited about this race to find this treasure and to get my jeep in place and i was even there, when there, you guys are very, playing i'm engaged yeah there's very little downtime because you're always looking at the board state and how are people contributing to the treasures where are they moving to what can i do i always i'm always looking at my hand of cards to oh see yeah where, where is it going to go so yeah the, the and then the, another point that I'm going to make here is that it, it's a really inexpensive game too. So if you find a copy of this in your game store, pick. I would pick it up. This it feels that nice little family weight, um, ticket to ride. Uh, yeah, ticket to ride weight. And it's easy to game. learn. I mean, I, it's not one of those you know doing your income tax kind of games. No, it's a it's a it's a very short teach, uh, and a very relatively straightforward playtime. So. Tobago, Tobago, you call it tomato, <laughs> I call it tomato. I don't, 
I don't care how you pronounce it. What, what was it, it, it before we started recording? I cracked up. Oh yeah, the Canadian version is called Toboggan, and you got to go and find all the snow forts. <laughs> I think you got another project yeah. on your hands yeah. to retheme this. Yeah, and the <laughs> obstacles are like don't lick the frosty fences, the frosty metal fences. And for those people who know what I'm talking about, yeah, it's, it's yeah, it, you it's, only do it once. The, the struggle is real. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and 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 you know it's a Canadian thing, so I'm going to just say sorry. Okay. I was also reading the back of the rule book here, and there's actually some variants for the curses. Ooh. So, like, once once both curses are revealed, you shuffle them back into the remaining of the deck, so that because you know you're supposed to play until the yeah. end of the card. So if they come up too quickly, you can actually take them and shuffle them back into the what's what's left. Oh, that's devious. That that would be that would be really that would be really cool. I like to play it like that way. Excellent. Well, I mean, I agree. I concur completely with everything you said because if I'm ready to find a space on my shelf for that game. It's uh, it's definitely uh, <laughs> been it's been, it's I've been thinking yeah. about it since the first time we played it, and that that's rare. It's it's almost like a quote unquote gateway type of game because this was one of the first. Um, what board, got you in? Yeah, yeah, it's one of the first games that was introduced to me, um, along with one of my other favorite games, Alhambra, was one of my was one of my very first games that I ever played. Which so, um, yeah, so this one has a soft spot on my on my shelf. Now, finally, yay! it's going to go right beside Alhambra. Well, here's an interesting <laughs> transition, and I don't know if you recognize it, but Akrotiri as well is about finding temples and treasures and making maps and, and having cards that uh, identify um, this. Uh, you, you didn't plan this at all, did no, you? No, <laughs> this morning as I'm driving here, I'm like, Hey, wait, we're, the, we're both doing like, you know, map discovery, treasure discovery. I'm actually, sitting, I'm actually discovery. sitting here right now with my Indiana Jones hat on. and We didn't plan that. <laughs> okay. Um, so, yeah, let's transition into uh, my, little, uh, my Little Pick. And uh, it's Akrotiri, a game by Jay Cormier and Sen Fun Yim Lim. Canadian designers. I'm, oh, yes. I'm very sorry for the mispronunciation. Um, so... Akrotiri, dig site on the island of Thera. It all began with a simple map, a map said to lead to a legendary Minoan temple. Investigating the matter further, you've decided to set forth on the Aegean Sea, and it would appear you were not alone in this quest for fame. These voyages and excavations will be costly. To fund them, you will need to gather resources from the surrounding islands and bring them back to the resource-poor island of Thera. Using landmarks to guide your way, Follow your maps to unearth the forgotten temples. Begin time or before time forgets them, and history forgets you. That was very dramatic. Ooh. Um, so the goal for the game, I mean, from the uh, from the the nice color text there, uh, is to explore the ice, uh, island surrounding Thera and gather the necessary resources to fund your excavations. Only by excavating temples will you gain the fame points needed to achieve victory. Keep an eye on your secret goal cards too for they could turn the tides and bring you victory, which is what you did to me when we played. Mm-hmm. The player with the most points at the end of the game is the winner. So, um, game designer, Canadian. And and, they, and they've been on guest spots on like one of my favorite podcasts, uh, Boards Alive. Oh, yeah. Podcast, too. They're kind of good friends out there. Awesome. So, um, this is published by... Is this a Z-Man Z- game? This is a Z-Man yeah, game, yeah. this is a Z-Man yeah. games edition. Um, uh, so, the, uh, the nuts and bolts. 
Well, I mean, as I described to it, you're basically creating a map, and this map is created with the use of tiles, and you're going to start the game out with a tile, and as far as the sequence goes, you'll so you, you play a tile, and then you put the resources on the tile, then you have the movements on your board, and you start out with three action points, and then you have the choice to move, uh, load your boat, excavate, buy maps, or go visit the Oracle to find a specific mm -hmm, tile mm -hmm. that you want. Um, when you initially lay your tile, you'll put resources on that represent um, items from the market board. So you, we have the uh, water, mountains, volcanoes, and I will say forests or nature. Mm -hmm. And those are those landmarks that they're referring to when you create your, when you create your um, temple location. So as in Tobago, or Tobago. Tobago. Um, uh, <laughs> these cards, you're you're defining um, the where the map is. But in this game, as you lay out your tiles, the orientation of the your map card or your treasure card that you have is in reference to the map orientation. So if you have a treasure card worth uh, one or two points. Um, and it says that you have a mountain in, on, the, um, on top of you, you have a volcano to the left, and you have a forest to the right, then you have to locate in that archipelago of islands where um, your treasure spot could uh, realistically and logically represent its location. And then, of course, um, you use a, I think it's an excavation action to basically take a temple from your player board, put it on there on the spot that you've identified. And what I was loving too is that the more temples you put out, the more actions you get, which is a great little engine that you can be turning over. Um, moving on to um, how do you win? Well, as it says, the person with the most points at the end of the game wins. Um, how do you get those points? Those are those map cards. Yeah, the map the map cards are are, are huge, and they they range from like one point three points, and I think seven seven points. points. Yeah, you okay. hit me with a couple sevens that kind of turned yeah, my uh, so like the one strategy point, around. Yeah, the one point cards are like really simple. There's usually yeah. only about three symbols on them. Like yeah. one one to the north, one to the east, one to the west, kind of like thing. Um, and but then, then each level, the each level there's there's more and more symbols. I think like in the th uh, the three point cards, I think now there's like there's like five symbols, and then the seven point cards now there's like I think like twos and threes and yeah oh yeah there's like six six or seven symbols that could possibly be on it. And realistically, when you get to that point, the island, the archipelago island connection tile system. Oh, there's going to be so, so many of these of those yeah. icons. Yeah throughout the board so that you should be able to it, it, it in the middle and late games you should be starting to be able to fulfill some of those middle and high level yeah uh, high level treasure cards and how do you get those cards well that's one of the actions that you can do but you need to money buy them. let's talk about the market board i that was one thing that i really liked because in the uh, the idea of making money you lay your tile down you pick any one of the um elements or uh, resources and let's say you drop a water cube down now i have the ability to take any other resource even i think it's even the same one i believe mm -hmm. and um, put it on that same tile so you are doubling the resources on that location and then now it, it turns into a little bit of a race because you have a boat that you're able to um, 
navigate around the archipelago and pick up a maximum of three resources to bring it back to that central tile to cash in on the market board, yeah, which you, is constantly fluctuating. Yeah, you have to you have to deliver to the central location. You yeah. can't deliver anywhere else. Yeah. So the uh, and once you start seeing that, let's say the uh, volcano resource cubes are you know demanding three gold. Well, it's basically you're trying to work out into your movement actions how you can get to those really, you know, juicy, highly, highly sought after, after, yeah, resources. So because money is tight, because it's that money that buys you these beautiful um, uh, um, treasure cards. Because and, and that's the only thing that money is used for in, in this game, I believe, is just to just to buy these treasure cards. Yeah. And you can you can only get these treasures. And the treasure cards are very, very important because that allows you to discover a temple, which unlocks more movements. When some of the time of the way too, I think you can also unlock getting a new end of game scoring card. Yeah, there's certain little um, uh, treasures or, or um, benefits when you unlock a temple. And you only have six temples to put down. So right. you have to make the best point and the um, game And system. the game ends when one person lays down their last temple. Yeah, so you, I mean, you could either, I, I started playing the strategy strategy of using um, a lot of the ones just to push that end of game timer quickly, but then once you started cashing in, I think it was your first seven, I immediately hit the brakes and did the math and went, okay, I have you know, mm -hmm. three more temples to drop. I've got to make up that margin. I also have to admittedly, that I had a little bit more experience with this game because this was a game that I got quite a while ago. Um, I got it for I got it for Christmas, and, and this is one that my wife and I will play at the lake. We'll, we'll lay out the, the on the on the table, and and such as since it's such a small box game, it travels travels very well. Oh, it's one of these small box games that takes up a huge it could, table it, footprint. It could, it could take up a big footprint. Yeah, and it's and it's only two player, which is which is a, a good thing too because. I think if you had more than two players, your the back of your head would pop well, off. Well, I, th I think I think there are rules out there where if you have two copies of yeah, the game, I've heard that. You, you can play with up to four players. That that would be insane. That'd but be that, crazy. That'd be, I, I, I I'm willing to try it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know we've been, we've been known to do crazy things. Um, so let's go to let's go to looking out from uh, outside to inside. So the box art, it's to me. I'm a history teacher, and I love that that. Um, Medita Mediterranean antiquity um, um, essence to it. I mean, it's just got it's just dripping with Greek and antiquity. I got all these little islands connected yeah. together, and they're uh, and yeah. The f and the font is is representative of that time period as well. So as far as and the components, I mean, the only kind of artistic element in the components are the map tiles, which are great, and the the. Uh, the drachma, the coins, I think are, are they've done a, a good job on that too. So as far as artwork goes, and the cards, the cards um, that are nice, clean. That nice linen finish. Yeah, um, but I mean, as far as uh, graphics go and and perception, it's very clean. You can identify the colors. You can distinguish um, uh, all of the important elements of the card. You're not having to hunt for anything visually. So I like that. I think uh, I think nice wooden components. Oh yeah, like those nice little temples. Your nice little wooden boat where the little resources fit in. Really nice, really nice touches all around. Yeah, it could be a little bit of a, could be a little fiddly because those little cubes are quite small and 
and you're laying them out and you're trying to put them into your boat, but that's that's just a little nitpicky thing by me. But but I mean, it's for what it is and the price point. I'm oh, yeah. I'm completely happy. Um, the yeah, rule I, book. I mean, it's like a little small kind of five by five rule book. Um, it's very clean. It's very uh, um, the process is very understandable. I don't yeah, think I had any very, difficulties with it. Yeah, it's very clear. Uh, I remember the first time that I read through the rule book, I had to read that section about how do you discover a temple a few times? Yeah. Like, where can I put the temple? Where do these icons need to be? But I think that was, that was just a little visual thing for, for me. But they, they, had, they do have some good examples in yeah. the book that, that, that lay that out very, very well. It's very intuitive. Yeah, yeah. I like it. So um, game system style, I, I, I never thought that I was a big fan of tile laying until... I played this game because I, I mean I owned Carcassonne, uh, played it, I liked it, I understood it, but then I just sold it because it was it, it to me it just was one dimensional. Right, and and there's there's a newer game that's out now. Um, Explorers of the North Sea is kind of doing almost some similar type things, completely different game, but that yeah. whole thing that you're revealing the map as you're building it, and then there's other resources that you can go and collect and. Oh yeah, I wanted to say too that. Uh, what I thought was really unique, and I, get, I guess we can talk about it uh, in the next kind of unique mechanisms things, but as far as the, the game style and system, I really like that idea of, of creating that map as you're going along with the variables that you're holding in your hand as far as those, uh, as far as those treasure cards go. Um, the, the unique mechanism, this is what I want to point out that was really awesome. Um, my cards are completely different than your cards because they represent my perspective of the board from the side that I'm sitting on. Right. And your side is completely different because yeah, where, of the perception of... If, if a mountain is to the north of me, for in, in, in my perspective, well, that's to the south for, for, for Norm. Yeah, we, if, we're sit, if, if we're sitting across from one another. Yeah, this, so that, I thought that was great because it just adds another layer of dimension, at least from my perception, adds another layer of dimension to the game. Um, and variability, I guess, too. So, yeah, that's to me. That's a, I love that unique mechanism w with the with the cards connected with the tiles and connected with the orientation of the landmarks. I thought that was I thought that was great. And does it all does it all connect together? I think it does. I think yeah. it's the idea that treasure hunting idea is is um, exciting to me. Yeah, and we're we're exploring this yeah. this archipelago of islands. Um, collecting resources to trade them in and try to find and trying to be, be able to, was it erect these these these, these temples? Yeah. By, by based off where they are. Now the the at the end of your turn you always take a tile because you're always having one tile in hand except for a certain case. Um, um, so. Oh, when you visit the oracle. Yeah. So there's that randomness of oh I need I need to find a volcano tile. Oh, I didn't get a volcano. Well, tile. spend an action. And yeah. So you can mitigate that randomness by spending an action go to go to visit the oracle. And what that means is um, you just basically pull through the deck until you find the one that you want, and then you put the rest back in the deck. And thank you very much, Bob's your uncle, and I have my <laughs> tile and your turn. Yeah. I got I got that tile. That's now going to help helpful. Hopefully, help me complete my map card so that I yeah. can go and discover this temple. And hopefully before you get your game figured out. Oh, I know, because there's only one temple per island. Oh, yeah. 
Only one temple per island. And, and, these, so. and as these tiles go down, you could have a, an island connect all the way around. I mean, it, it could be... I know. So all the islands that are closest to the center start getting temples first. Yeah. And then you got to branch out, and then you got to branch out, and then... And then that's where the end game scoring cards come in too, because you want to probably strategically put your temples because I might have a card that says I get two points if I have a temple on a mountain. Oh yeah, island. the end of game scoring is Or I get I love it. I get two points if I have a temple that's on an uncomplete island. Like it hasn't been fully discovered. And at the beginning of the game you get two of these end of game scoring cards and you keep one. And then the only other times or time in the game is when you um uh, when you put a temple onto the board, you reveal a bonus of being able yeah, to I dip think, into I that. Like, uh, I think it's like the second and fourth temple on your board that yeah. allow, allow you to unlock. So, yeah. So, the, so at the end of the game, you'll possibly have three of these endgame scoring cards that could swing could swing the vote in your way. Absolutely. And that's part of that whole formula, end of game formula that you're trying to work out as you're making these islands, as you're trying to complete these treasure maps, and as you're trying to do it before the other person. I just, I want to play it right now. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's a, it is a really cool game. Uh, little Kwan, you might, you might, on your first couple plays, might fumble way through, where, yeah. where can I put a temple down? Where can I not put a temple down but that just comes with a little bit of experience they, well, and that, you, you you figured it yeah. out actually faster than i did but that game system it's i mean just like all games and just like all foods and restaurants certain games appeal to certain people's palates right yeah. and this one clicked immediately for me because i i just i was i was loving that idea of constructing your success and without limited to no interference from you. And I mean, I could go in and start placing tiles where you're trying to start to develop your map, which I just thought would be a great strategy is start putting stuff on your side and messing up your, you know, your plans. Oh, that, 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 that never actually ever appealed to me. Or anything. <laughs> I, I was just putting tiles wherever so I can get my stupid temples down. I'm devious. <laughs> um, all right. So my conclusion about this game is, Nifty. It's uh, just nifty. It's so, it's, yeah, it's clever. That's it. It's clever. And it's elegant. It's clever. It's, I mean, I don't want to overuse that because a lot of the, you know, people in the, in the reviewing area use elegant uh, to describe a game, but. But it, it, it's, it, a, it's simple. It's simple to play. Yeah. Simple to teach pretty much. Yeah. As, and the, the player board is great because it has. Um, great iconography and it has your recipe of what you mm, can do mm -hmm. and, and how you got to get it done. So there's, there's yeah, no confusion. These are the actions you can take. Yeah. This is the order that you do things. The, the player board does a really good job at handholding as mm -hmm. far as guiding you through how to, you know, follow this blueprint properly. So I, yeah, um, it's, I bought it because of some of the research that I've done as all my games and it had sat on the shelf for a while until I, made a you know made a concerted effort and took it out and played it with you and then we played it some more and I was surprised that it sat on your shelf so long cuz oh. I I was talking about it a while quite quite a while ago and you're like well I have a copy of that how come I haven't played it yet and then you just decided <laughs> was well, one day you just brought it one morning and I'm like okay let's sit through this let's kick these tires so like the universalizing this this conclusion it's like Tobago 
or Tobago um, in the fact that you're, you're creating this treasure hunt. And I've always loved movies like the like uh, um, the Italian job where you get to watch the process and you get to w- watch how they designed this, this uh, you know, to yeah, meet this objective. They are very similar in that regard. Yeah, we yeah, are, it's ex- we're, creating, we're creating the map to find where we're going to put our temples. And to me, that's super exciting. That's that's one of the parts that I love about both these games is that is that um, in the moment manipulation of the map and being successful or unsuccessful or you know thinking okay in two cards if this moves this way I could put this card and I could get that treasure or or I could build that temple. So yay! I uh, I can't say you know I can't. Sh- I can't show more love for this game than than has been shown. So, yep. Yeah. And and the coolest thing about it, Canadian designers. Canadian. A. Yep. Yeah, they they designed it while they're hanging out in their igloos. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here we go with the stereotypes. Yay! With their toques and donuts. All right. I don't so, know what you're talking about. Yeah, dude, <laughs> there's a lot of a boots. So uh, let's tie this off. And uh, I'd like to say thank you for listening to Cardboard Conjecture. I'm your host, Norm. And I'm Ryan. And we'll catch you later. We are Bridge City Board Gamers, and you can find us on YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter at BC Board Gamers. Our Facebook page is Saskatoon Tabletop Games Community. And on Board Game Geek, Guild number 3039.